today we'll be taking time as we conclude this message series to talk about how we as Christ followers are called to trust God completely and to reflect Jesus in everything. You know, we oftentimes get the trust part down, like I trust God, but reflecting Jesus maybe is a little bit more complex of a, of a, of a chore. And so today we're going to spend the majority of our time in John chapter 1. If you want to flip there in your Bibles, you can. Um, if you are tuning in online and you have your Bibles with us, John chapter 1. Otherwise, uh, you can uh, check out the YouVersion Bible app where we've got all of our notes and our scripture references available to you. But John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. In verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God, we thank you that you sent your son. You sent your son to this earth so that we would have the perfect example of what it means to live for you, what it means to love people. So God, I pray that you would help us, that we would be challenged, that we would be encouraged to step out, to step into who you're calling us to be, and that we would set aside the things that we've pursued in the past and understand that you have a purpose for our lives. God, speak to us by your spirit today and through your word, and we thank you for what you're going to accomplish for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this passage in Scripture, in, in, in John's gospel is, is an interesting one because it begins to really speak to who Jesus is. And it begins to speak of the fact that Jesus was there at the beginning. We oftentimes think that it was God and then Jesus showed up on the scene and then Jesus came to the earth. But, but Jesus was part of the Trinity, part of the, this, this triune force of God the Father the Son, and the Spirit. Because it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And that Word represents Jesus. Jesus was full of grace and truth, as the Scripture tells us. Grace and truth. Jesus was not one or the other. He wasn't, you know, kind of, you know, God's truth and Jesus' grace and, you know, those two kind of work together. No, he was fully God and fully man, full of grace and truth. The unfortunate reality all too often is that we as Christians are not full of grace and truth. You know, for years our country was known as a Christian nation founded on Christian principles. If you look back into the history of the of the inception of our republic, the United States was founded out of a desire to have religious freedom, to be able to worship freely. That's how we came into being. And those principles still exist, although they're being muted. They're being distanced. There's now a growing number of people who would identify probably more as post-Christian. Post-Christian. 
They're not necessarily atheists. They're not those that would say there is no God. What you believe is crazy. They're not even necessarily agnostics, those who neither have a faith in God or, or, or a disbelief in him. They're post-Christians. Post-Christians defined is the situation in which Christianity is no longer the dominant civil religion of a society, but has gradually assumed values, culture, and worldviews that are not necessarily Christian. Would you say that reflects our country? Maybe a little bit. Yeah. I would say our country has become very post-Christian. Some connection with Christianity, but it's a distant memory. Maybe I served Jesus when I was a kid, but I've grown out of it. I went to church, and then, and then somebody said something stupid to me, or somebody said something hurtful, and you know what? I don't have time for that anymore. If that's what Christians are about, I don't want any part of it. It's not that they don't know. It's just that they don't care. Following Christ is no longer a priority. You do, do you understand this is the first generation in our history of many young people who are growing up in a completely godless culture? This is the first time in history that we have a generation that is coming up that it has no connection to God. It's a scary thought because this post-Christian, post-Christian movement is beginning to take over what we as believers believe we should be doing. And it's beginning to skew the conversation. Faith in Jesus has moved from the center of our country out to the fringe, out to this place where we no longer believe it should be the center of of conversation. It should be this afterthought, if that. Belief in God has moved from being something positive to being a threat to some. Even the word Christian has a loaded connotation, right? right? None of us run around and say, hey, I'm a Christian. Nobody says that anymore because there's a connotation with Christians. They're those, those hateful, closed-minded, judgmental people that, yeah, I'm not one of those. I'm a Christ follower. I'm not a Christian. That's organized religion. I'm not, a, you know, Christianity. And we want to distance ourselves from even that moniker that represents so many horrible things and represents the worst of the church. So how do we faithfully represent Jesus in an ever-growing post-Christian culture? How do we represent Jesus in this? In a season of political and societal division, what this world needs, a divided world, needs a unified church. Needs a unified body of believers. Needs a unified body of Christ. And yet we oftentimes let the division come in to our conversations. You know, Jesus' mission has not changed. Over 2,000 years, Jesus' mission hasn't changed. His mission was to seek and save the lost. Seek and save the lost. And it's still his mission that none would perish without an understanding of who he is, the desire that God has for relationship. We oftentimes reflect on John 3.16, 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him would not perish but have everlasting life. Woo! It's like the first scripture that we memorize in Sunday school, right? But most people don't know John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. The world would be saved through him. But we find ourselves more and more in a place of condemnation. The mission of the church also remains the same. To love God, to love people. It's pretty simple. We've complicated it over the years, yes. But it's pretty simple. And we're called to live in love with grace and truth. We're called to live and love people with grace and truth. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you know who's somebody who's full of it? Right? Do you know anybody who's full of something? That's what we used to say when I was young, right? We couldn't say the other, the non-church one, so we'd say, you're full of it. Like, oh, yeah, what happened to your hand? Well, I was out on the mountain, and I went off this 50-foot cliff, and I was doing, you know, flips, and uh, I landed it, and then after I landed it, some stinking skier came by and whacked me with his pole, and he broke my thumb. And you guys would all say, you're full of it. Right? But there's people around that you maybe have interacted with who are full of something, right? They might just be full of it. I know for me, my, my wife Gretchen, I like to brag on her pretty often. But Gretchen is, is a person who is absolutely full of love and devotion. She's absolutely somebody who comes to relationship with all of herself. She's like a 100% kind of a person. She doesn't do relationship halfway. I'm kind of like, woo, let's have a party. Let's all be friends and let's all, you know, hang out. And she's like, no, I, I want to focus in on one person and I want to give them my attention and my, my, my energy. And I've seen that over the years, her love and her devotion to people, her love and devotion to our family and that unconditional love. I saw that with my parents as I made really dumb decisions in life, and they loved me through it. Thanks, Mom and Dad. But maybe you know somebody who's full of something. The, gr- the Greek word playrace represents this idea of being full of grace and truth. Playrace means to fill to the brim, abounding in or thoroughly full. So when Scripture says Jesus was full of grace and truth, it wasn't like he was kind of graceful and truthful and he kind of just navigated around and got along with people. No, he was overflowing with grace and truth, which is not an easy combination. Because too often we're one or the other. But here's the reality. Grace saves and truth frees. Grace saves, truth frees. It has to be both. It's not an either-or, it's a both-and. I remember serving alongside of somebody who said, grace and truth are like the two wings of the airplane. If you don't have one of them, it doesn't go so well. 
We have to be full of both. If we're going to be honest with ourselves, though, we've missed it, haven't we? I know I have. I know I've missed it at times. I've been one or the other. I've been full of, 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 of truth, and I've wanted to kind of scold people, and you shouldn't be doing that, and you shouldn't be living your life that way, and, and that's not right, and you can't do that kind of stuff. Or there's probably been those times where I've been a little bit too full of grace, and I've wanted to just let everybody kind of be, and let's just be permissive, and let's, it's okay. We don't need to ruffle anybody's feathers. We've missed it. Churches have become more inward-looking. Hey, let's just bless us four and no more. Let's, let's you know, kind of circle the wagons and let's just hunker down and wait for, you know, for, for Jesus to return. And, you know, hopefully we don't get any of that sin stuff on us or any of those sinful people. The reality is that's not, that's not what church is supposed to be at all. One of our cultural commitments is that hurting people are welcome. People are welcome in the midst of their hurt, in the midst of their struggles, in the midst of the things and the decisions that are destructive in life. We've become judgmental. We've become legalistic at times. And I just want to apologize on behalf of the church because it's not what God desired. It's not what he ordained. We've forgotten God's command at time to love everyone. Everyone, everybody, all of them, without exception, without fail. We've forgotten that's what God wanted. Even the people who disagree with you. And we have a tendency to want to rank sin, right? We're, we're, we're so worried about sin that we start ranking it. It's like, well, you know, I... You know, I might be cheating on my taxes, but that guy, that guy's an alcoholic, and he's going down a destructive path. Or we enter into relationships that are unhealthy, and we look around at other people and say, well, yeah, but I'm not doing that, so I'm not, I'm okay. And we want to rank sin. And God says, no, it's all, it's, it's all distasteful. It's all stuff that I hate. And we're so worried about the speck in our friend's eye that we forget about the plank that's hanging out of our own. We're unwilling to address that sometimes. We've forgotten the importance of relationship. We've forgotten the importance of relationship with those who don't yet believe. How many friends do you have that you hang out with who don't believe the way that you do? who wouldn't call themselves Christ followers? How many people are you ministering to on a daily basis? Because it's through relationship that we get the opportunity to share hope or share peace or, or go through a situation or circumstance and come out on the other side and have somebody go, wow, how, how are you still, how are you still have joy? How, do you, how are you navigating through this? How, how have you come through this season and you're not losing your mind? It's through relationship that we get those opportunities to lift somebody. But one of our biggest challenges is we tend to lean too far one way or the other. 
you get truth on one side and you get grace on the other side, and we think it's either one or the other. And, and if, if we get too far to one side with, with truth, we start to get judgmental. We start to, to get to this place where we want to judge everybody, and you can't do that, and you shouldn't say that, and you, know, you shouldn't be involved in those kind of conversations, and you shouldn't be watching those kind of movies, and you, you, know, you shouldn't watch any movies at all, and certainly not go to a bowling alley. And It's funny the things that we have placed as rules over the years. Sometimes now we look back on them and we go, Kind of a little bit silly, isn't it? You can't go to a bowling alley. Talking about when I was young. But we get to that place where we're, we're rule-driven. We, we get legalistic. And then we just, we end up becoming mean Christians. We just, we kind of lose that love and that care and that, that peace that, that, that God has desired for us to show people. The Bible says it, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. You got to put the, you know, the the emphasis on hell, and we get to this place where we kind of look down our nose at people. So we can't get too far on the truth side, but we also can't get too far on the grace side, because then we just become pacifists. Everything's permissive. Everything's okay. Everything's it's all under the blood. That's Old Testament. Yeah, it's it's all under the blood. We. Do whatever you want. Do what feels right. You do you. I'll do me. Let's just all float around on our fluffy clouds and just enjoy the harp music that Jesus wants to give us. I'm okay and you're okay. We're all sinners, right? Yeah. Don't judge me. I'm not judging you. And we want to get to that place where everything's okay and everything's understandable and just keep on sinning, and you can ask for forgiveness afterwards. It's okay. God understands. He loves you. But there's two problems that we have to contend with when it comes to grace truth, if we're really going to live in both. First problem is truth without grace leads to rebellion. Truth without grace leads to rebellion. And we get this wrong too often. We get really strict and we get really rule, you know, abiding and, and you know, we, we let religiosity come into our homes and we have this truth with no grace. It's like, just no, you got to follow all these rules and if you don't, man, there's going to be consequences and they're going to be bad. And eventually, if you don't change, you're going to hell. But rules without relationship will wreck your ability to influence people. Rules without relationship with your kids, with those with whom you've been given the privilege to lead, guaranteed you'll raise rebellious kids who will struggle not to completely judge everybody they meet. We can't be rules, 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 because it'll lead to rebellion. Second problem is grace without truth leads to relativism. Grace without truth leads to just, hey, do whatever you want. It's all good. Leads to there being no absolute truth. The only truth is there's no absolute truth. Wait, what? 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 I've heard that one before. The only truth is there's no absolute truth. Didn't you just make an absolute? 
and it becomes my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. Don't inflict your truth on me and I won't inflict mine on you. You do what you want to do. I'll do what I want to do. And no one can tell me how to live, including God. We can get to this place where grace takes over and it's just, hey, do whatever feels right. As long as you're happy, that's all that matters. As long as you're happy and you're not hurting anybody, it doesn't matter what you do. And we can become so permissive, even in the church, that we just say, ah, all bets are off. Have fun. You know, the common form of Christianity these days is kind of this, like, you know, get you a little Jesus, you know, a little dabble do you, you know, kind of just sprinkle in a little bit of Jesus and, man, we're off to the races. So, I, I, I did a little bit of research and found something that I think might help you. So just take a look at the screen here. So there you go. Just a little dab, you know, just something in there, you know. But too often we find ourselves kind of with that. It's funny, but we want just those little doses of Jesus in our lives. A little Instagram, you know, a little, little, little Christian meme or a verse of the day or you know, the church posted something really inspirational. If I just like that, then, you know, we're good. We have just enough Jesus to make us feel good. Not enough to make you feel like you want to live differently, but just enough to make you feel good. And too often we miss the fact that God is desiring us to live our lives in grace and truth. Because we're called to live and love with grace and truth. Because grace saves and truth frees. So what is grace? The Greek charis, the undeserved kindness, favor, and goodwill of God, represents something that we can't earn, that, we, that it's not something that we do anything for. God gives us this free gift of grace. It's completely undeserved. And the moment you think you deserve it, you deserve grace, it's no longer grace. And grace saves. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's not anything you've done, it's not anything you've said, it's not anything you... It's a free gift. And you've been saved by grace. John 1.14, grace... As the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. It's interesting. I, I just find that it's interesting that John wrote grace and truth. Grace comes first. I don't have any proof, but I think maybe that God is desire that we show people grace before we speak truth. Often in church, we assume that we have it all together. Who needs grace? No, well, maybe the, the wife or mom who's, who's overwhelmed at home, dealing with the kids or dealing with online school or dealing with whatever, whatever, and they look on Facebook or Instagram, and there's the perfectly filtered picture of the mom who's got all, her, all of her meals and little, little Tupperwares all lined up in a refrigerator, and it's perfectly posed, and everything's great, and 
And she's like, I hate her. And the gossip starts, oh yeah, yeah, I know her. I know that kind. Got it all together. We find ourselves getting frustrated and jealous of other people's lives. Or maybe it's the business owner who's, who's driven by the bottom line and just wants to increase the business and wants to continue to build things and wants to continue to succeed. And it becomes a selfish endeavor that's driven by greed. Or perhaps it's the adult son or daughter who refuses to forgive their overbearing mom. Yeah, mom raised me. She was harsh. She was always driving me and always on my case and always in me. And there's this wedge that's been driven of unforgiveness. Or maybe it's the college student or the young adult that is just thinking through life in moments. It's just living through moments. Not really giving any thought to the consequences of decisions. Not giving any, any thought to, if I do this, then this could happen down the road. And they're chasing destructive behaviors and destructive habits and they're in, a, in a unhealthy relationships and allowing themselves to get into compromising situations that could have detrimental consequences. Or maybe you're just a hyper-religious guy or gal looking down your nose with contempt or judgment because people aren't living up to the way that you think they should live life. So who needs grace? Now the answer to that is pretty easy. Every one of us. Every last one of us needs grace. And sometimes the church inadvertently gets it wrong. Truth first. Behave first. And then we'll let you in. Don't smoke. Dress appropriately. Endure boring messages from Dan. Then maybe we'll, we'll think about letting you in. After you behave right, then you need to believe. Behave and then believe. And if you behave right and you believe, we'll think about letting you belong. I think we'll, 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 get, we'll form some committees, we'll have some meetings, and we'll discuss your behavior and level of belief and see if, see if you're the right, right person for our, for our club. Just as long as you behave right and believe what we believe. Here's the reality. Grace affords people a safe place to belong before they believe or behave. Grace affords people a place to belong before they behave or believe. And not a safe space like the, like the ones at your kids' schools. A place where they can come with their vulnerabilities, come with their stuff, come with their hurts, come with all the stuff that comes with living life. And are we willing to grab hold of that stuff with them? Are we willing to allow that hurting person to come in and be in community? So grace covers it all, right? Romans chapter 6, verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We are those who have died to sin. So how can we live in it any longer? If we're all about grace, well, 
we just keep sinning, right? There's, there's plenty of grace. I'm forgiven. I'll sin, and then I'll ask for forgiveness. So, I mean, it's kind of a, you know, isn't that how it works? The post-Christian generation is skeptical about truth. They claim to know truth. Just turn on the TV. You have people spewing truth at you all day long. The reality of the truth that's being spewed in culture today is that at its very best, it's arrogant. At its very worst, it's dangerous and destructive. Because if your truth is what you want to put on everybody else, oof, we're in trouble. If it's my truth, it's got to be your truth, your truth, and my truth. And we just throw truth out the window, and we stop looking to Scripture. Because the reality is truth shouldn't be restrictive, repressive, or oppressive. Truth should be freeing and liberating and life-giving. Truth should give us a sense of freedom, a sense of excitement. Even if we look back to the Garden of Eden, you, God says to Adam and Eve, you can, keep, you can eat of everything in the garden. This whole thing is yours. There's just one thing I don't want you to eat of. The fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch that one. Everything else is yours. Everything. Truth was not restrictive. It was freeing. It was abundant. It was not to kill or fun. It was to give them life, an abundant life. Why do we always seem to want the thing that is most destructive to us? Why? Truth is not just about rules. Do this and don't do that. Truth is a person. Jesus, who came to fulfill grace and truth. It's not just a what, it's a who. John chapter 8, verse 32, speaks of Jesus. Because then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And it speaks of a person, Jesus, the way, the truth, the life, the one with whom we come to the Father. Truth will set you free. Grace saves, truth frees. And it has to be both wings of the airplane. We can't get so caught up in one or the other. We've got to understand what it means to reflect the heart of Jesus. And that's reflecting grace and truth. Would you pray with me as we close this morning? God, we thank you that you've given us the perfect example of of what it means to live our lives for you. That we would enter into relationship with grace and truth and love and understanding. Pray that you'd help us, God. Church, don't let envy rot you from the inside out. Always consider others better than yourself. Love the way that Christ loved. Don't let the love of, of, of money be the root of all kinds of evil pursuits. Don't be consumed by greed, but give it away. Be blessed to be a blessing to people. 
For those of you who are holding unforgiveness against somebody, it's toxic. It will destroy you from the inside out. And it will keep you from having a relationship. Forgive as Christ forgave. He, gave, he forgave us with no strings attached. And if you don't forgive, the hands of God are literally tired. He can't forgive you. And don't be that religious person who looks down their nose and says, man, they're all just, they don't even know. I got news for you. If you have spiritual arrogance, pride comes before the fall. Be willing to walk in brokenness and vulnerability, understanding that God redeemed you too. And his desire is that none would perish and none would miss out on a relationship with him. So who is Jesus? He's the word become flesh, full of grace and truth. Not the legalistic kind of truth. No, 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 no. The truth that is chain-breaking, sin-shattering, relationship-building, life-giving, that kind of truth. And he's also grace, a grace that's so undeserved, it's hard to even comprehend. God, we want to be more like you. God, we want to be more and more like you. Help us to be the kind of Christ followers who reflect the person of Jesus, the person who comforted sinners, who loved the outcasts, who touched the unclean, who was friends with the tax collectors and the prostitutes, who gave the greatest sacrifice of grace ever seen at the cross. Help us to be those kind of people who love people unconditionally. full of grace and truth. Today our prayer teams are available to you this morning. And if you have a need that you are carrying around and you need somebody to come alongside of you to just agree for God's touch, God's healing, God's provision, God's blessing, those folks are available to you. It'll be available after the service. And if you're tuning in online and you're carrying a burden that just seems completely overwhelming, I would ask you just to lay that burden down and just believe that God can take that. Father, we, we, we bring our burdens, we bring our cares, we bring our desires, we bring our dreams, we bring all the stresses and the worries that this world would want to throw at us, and we lay them at your feet. And we thank you, Father, that we can step into new life, that we can step into relationship with you, and that you are full of grace and truth, and you lead us to live that same way. Help us to live our lives in a way that points people to you. God, we ask for your help today. And this morning, whether you're here in the house or you're tuning in online, I would be remiss 
if I didn't ask if you've made that decision to follow Jesus with your whole heart. And if you're in that place where you say, you know what, I, I haven't made that decision, or I've, I've strayed away, or I've, I've struggled, and my life's not been what it should have been, and you want to make that declaration and say, I need Jesus, I need the assurance that my life is not an accident, that I'm not here for no reason at all. I need a Savior. I need somebody to come in and move the mountains that I can't move. We're going to say a simple prayer here in a second. Scripture tells us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that Christ died and was raised from the dead, that you will be saved. It's not a complicated equation, but it is surrendering everything and saying, God, I need you. I need your strength. I need your spirit to help me to live. We're going to say that prayer today. And if that's you, we would just ask you to say that prayer with us. Make that decision in your heart. Scripture tells us that you'll have an eternity with God and your whole situation, your whole trajectory will change. Can we say this prayer, church? Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth to show me how to live. He died and was raised back to life so that I could have a relationship with you. I ask you today to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I choose to live for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision today, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at albanync.org. You can write a connection card and let us know. We'd like to take the next steps with you, help you in that journey. Church, I'm grateful that we can live in the balance of grace and truth. Not one or the other. It's not. It's understanding that God has loved us with the same. It's the picture of the, the woman caught in adultery standing in, the, in the, the middle of the street and Jesus says, where are your accusers? You who have no sin cast the first stone. It's grace. And when they all disappear, he looks at her and says, now go and sin no more. It's the truth. Understanding that when we make a decision to follow Jesus, we have to turn our backs on all that other stuff. You know, this whole post-Christianity thing is, is, is dangerous, church. I'm just telling you. We cannot live in an attitude of post-Christianity. It's not rejecting Jesus. Most people won't debate Jesus. It's just watering everything down and distorting people's view of Jesus. And the view that Jesus, the world should be seeing, is grace and truth. Grace saves, truth frees. And if you see Jesus for who he truly is, I believe you're going to want to follow him every day of your life. So this week, as we go out of this place, as we engage our lives and our workplaces and our schools and all the different stuff we're doing, Let's live in an attitude of grace and truth. Let's understand that people are watching. 
and that God's greatest desire is that none would miss out on relationship with him. I'm excited for today. We're going to be here together at 3.30. We invite you to come back, be with us for our Super Bowl party. Um, there's going to be plenty of stuff going on. There's going to be games and fun stuff. So if you don't want to watch football, it's fine. We've got great food. I want to just say publicly thank you to uh, Mark and Bonnie Timberlake. Uh, they have prepared uh, some food and some refreshments and different stuff for us. Uh, we'll have bottled water and food, so go ahead and bring uh, your soda or whatever you want to drink. And uh, we'll be back together at 3.30. But as we go from this place, let's just remember God's challenge, God's call to us. That's to love people with his kind of love. And as we move throughout our week, let's continue to be the kind of church that is not just in our neighborhood, but is truly being the neighborhood. Have a wonderful week. God bless you guys.